from the book of James today. As you know, we're in the book of James and uh, we'll be in the book of James for a while. Uh, as we go through, I encourage you to study ahead, study ahead in the book, find out what it's talking about, that when I begin to preach that you can begin to witness, when I begin to preach some of the things that you may have been praying and meditating about may come about into your mind and that you will be stronger in Christ. If we could stand today for the reading of the word of our Lord, it is a beautiful day outside. Somebody said it's snowing, but guess what? I can see it. So it's a beautiful day outside. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a beautiful day. Hallelujah. We're coming from the book of James chapter one, starting at verse five today. James chapter one, uh, verse five. I'm going to read it today in the New King James Version for you. And if they get that on the screen and they get those things going, that's fine. They're working on some things. But I want to read that. It says James chapter one, verse five. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him but let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the lord he is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways and we're, uh, we're going to read it they've got the K king james version guys you can read that with me so we'll read it in concert ready read if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. Hmm. Hallelujah. They're still moving back there. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Verse 8. And double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to wise up. It's time to wise up. You may be seated in the presence of God. My brothers and my sisters, I'm glad to see you this morning. And this morning, as we look through the book of James, James, who is the brother of Jesus, James, who 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 Jesus uh, and he share mothers together. And uh, James, who has not really supported Jesus until the part of his ministry now. Uh, after Jesus has risen, Jesus has been buried and dead and risen and has ascended back to the Father James, who has become a pivotal part of the body of Christ. And he packs a lot of, of, of things into his messages. And James, uh, if you look through his messages, you'll see a lot of the influence of Jesus in his writings. You'll see a lot of the influences of the Sermon on the Mount in his writings. You'll see a lot of the in, uh, influx of the Proverbs in his writings. And James is trying to teach us what true faith looks like because even in the early church, there are so many different teachings. There are so many different things. And there are a lot of people that are struggling in their faith because of the persecution that they're going through. And James is trying to tell them how to live a Christian life within the context of the life they now find themselves. And, and, and that's something that is a pivotal question to us today is how do we live a Christian life within the context of the way we live? How do we take the words of God from the Bible, this, this word of God that is thousands of years old, and begin to make it relevant and life-changing for our life? And Paul is, uh, James rather, is talking 
to his audience and he's telling them how to make a confident stand for Christ. And we talked about that last week, how he said, count it all joy when you fall into all sorts of trials. In other words, that you will not be able to get out of every adverse situation, but you can't control what's going on on the inside, even though you might not be able to control what's going on on the outside. Because if you're going to make a confident stand for Christ, I've come to tell you that sometimes the world is antagonistic towards Christianity. The world does not always favor Christianity. The world does not always favor your faith. The world often wants everybody to be tolerated except for Christians. The world often wants us to tolerate everyone else, but they never and seldom want to tolerate us. And we'll get to that in just a second. And so James is talking about this principle that will help believers take a confident stand in Christ. How do you take a confident stand in Christ? One, you got to have the tenacity to be able to stand through trials. Count it all joy when you fall into all manners of temptations because you realize that it's going to produce something in you and through you and that God will be glorified. But he says, not only do you not need tenacity to make it through, but you also need wisdom. You need wisdom. You need something that should guide all of our actions and all of our, uh, our decisions. And what exactly is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to see a thing truly and clearly and respond with the appropriate response. Wisdom goes well beyond knowledge because there are many that have knowledge. We live in an information age. It's kind of hard. You have to try to be ignorant nowadays. If you have a smartphone, there's no way that you can be unsmart because anything you need, we've even created a word for it. It's called Google it. If you don't know something, what do you say? You say, Google it. <laughs> Who's the 15th president of the United States? Google it. Who, who is the father of nuclear assignments? Google it. That's Hyman G. Rickover, by the way. Don't ask me how I know that. How does this happen? Google it. How many miles is the earth from the sun? Google it. How do I do this? Google it. What are five steps to fix my marriage? Google it. What are 15 ways to get out of debt? Google it. But the problem is not just pure knowledge because there are many people who have knowledge and no idea what to do with it. For wisdom is the application of knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to look at your environment and the stimuli without and be able to say, how do I apply this to my life to, for the most powerful benefit and response? Wisdom is making good choices based off of another set of eyes. I don't know if anybody else has four, at least four eyes like I do, but sometimes when, you look, when you're looking at something and you really don't know what it is you're looking at or you're having trouble comprehending something every night and then you'll tell somebody else, hey, come over here and take a fresh look at it. I want you to look at it so you can have a different perspective, a different set of eyes. Maybe you'll see something that I don't what? See, what are you what are you saying is how my mind is set, how I've looked at this. I may be looking at it the, the wrong way and I may have some commitment escalation or bias on my decision making that is is actually controlled by some things that have gone in in my life. Maybe I need somebody who's seeing it from a different perspective. And James is telling us that we need that wisdom and, and wisdom is us making choices based off of that other set of eyes. I want is there anybody before you make major or minor decisions that you ever stop and consult the ultimate decision maker about why you need to make your decision, how you made your decision? Have you ever shunned wisdom? 
Has your mother or your father or somebody older or elderly who had wisdom told you not to do a certain thing a certain way and you said uh, said the declaration that many people have already said in one way or another, I'm grown and I do what I want to do. <laughs> I, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm, I'm grown. I'm, uh, you, that worked for you, but that might not necessarily work for me. And after a while, after you had built a hole and you tried to dig yourself out of that hole, after a while, you turned around and you realized that at some point in time, I should have listened to what they said. Because although I may have had more degrees, although I may have had a different and fresh perspective, although I may be able to use the smartphone and they may not be able to use the smartphone, there are some experiences in life that Google just can't find. There are some things, my mother used to call it mother with a common sense, which I call uncommon sense today because it's not very common among people. James is telling us that not only is wisdom something that we need to take a confident stand, it is also something that is in abundant supply. I want to talk to you about economics for a second, and we're going to talk about the economics of wisdom. And anybody who's ever taken an economics course knows that you have to understand the difference between supply and demand. If there is a large supply for something and there is a high demand, the price generally goes up. That's how it works. Uh, because if people want a thing, if they want a commodity or they want some kind of good or service and there's limited resources to it, the price generally tends to go up because you don't have as much of it to go around, i.e. gas and other things that, that you don't have as much that's being produced or going up. Therefore, because we have a limited supply the price goes up and it tends to make it more valuable but I have a problem because in spiritual economics it seems to be the other way around because James says that if any man lacks wisdom let him ask of God who gives liberally and abradeth not and I see a problem here because wisdom Solomon has told us is the principal thing it's the thing that is the most valuable he says in all you're getting get understanding and seek wisdom more than anything so we know that wisdom is valuable but it defies our normal economic laws why because wisdom is in high supply but apparently if we look at the choices of our world today it's in low demand god has plenty of it to pour out to us he said if any man wants wisdom just simply let him ask of god who gives liberally and without finding fault. He's not looking at every bit of the, the mess ups you had in your life. God is saying, if you want wisdom, I'll give it to you. All you have to do is ask. Oh, I have to ask if wisdom is in so an abundant supply. Why, when we look at the world, does it seem that the supply appears to be low? Why, when we look at the decisions that are made personally on a micro level and corporately on a macro level across the world, does it seem that wise choices aren't being made wisdom is in an abundant supply but it's on low demand and the reason is not because the world does not desire the results of wisdom the world wants the results of wisdom it wants to get all the things that wisdom brings to its doorstep it is not because of that but it's simply because the world wants the gift but it wants to reject the giver See, the problem is not that we don't want to be wise. It's not the problem that the world doesn't want to be wise. But James said, if any man lacked wisdom, let him ask of God. 
And the world doesn't want to ask of God because if I start asking of God, I have to I have to realize and acquiesce to the fact that God's ways are better than my ways. And if I start to use God's wisdom about this part, I have to start using God's wisdom about other parts of my life that I really don't want him meddling in. I want you to be my, 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 my producer. I want you to give me plenty of money. I want you to give me wisdom on how to handle finance and on the stock market. But I don't want you to get into my business about my bad attitude. I don't want you to get into my unfaithful character. I don't want you to get on these things. I, I want you to leave those things alone. We get mad at God because of those things. The world rejects wisdom because the world rejects God. It is because the world wants to accept the results of the gift without having to acknowledge or accept the giver. It rejects his word and attempts to redefine and undercut it because it does not align with their modern thoughts, with their modern perspectives and their modern worldviews. In other words, because God's word doesn't align up with what they want to do, they reject his word altogether and thereby reject true wisdom. But James is saying this morning, don't be like those people. If you seek God and his wisdom, you will enjoy its benefits. I don't know about you, but I'd like to enjoy the benefits of wisdom. I'm not preaching to you from something that I heard. I'm preaching to you for something that I know because I was once a young child. And I remember my mother not telling me, telling me to do things and not to do things. And, and I was, I was that belligerent child that was really smart and could make it his own decisions and every now and then I go to my brother and my brother who was a little bit older would say you probably should do it this way and I'd hang up the phone and smile and then I said to myself I'm grown I do what I want to do I, I got I got a college degree I, I've got plenty of sense I know how to do this and that you've helped me far enough I've got it from here how many of us have tried that with God? I've got it from here. You saved my soul. I've, I, I've got it from here. I handle my relationships from here. I handle my job from here. You saved my soul. Thanks, God. I've got it from here. And then we realize our life begins to reel and rock because the Christian world goes far beyond just what we know and just from being saved. You're saved to get to heaven, but there are some things inside of you that you've got to be saved from to enjoy a peaceful life here on earth. God, I've, I've got it from here. And after a while, a bust in my head. I remember I needed to make a major decision in my life. And I asked my brother and he, I brought it to my brother. And he said, no, I don't think you need to do that. I think this is what you need to do. But I'd gotten a little older and I'd immediately smile with that same old smile. You know, the one you smile when you say good sermon, pastor, but you don't have any intention on doing anything that the pastor just said because you're grown and you're going to do what you want to do it. That's, that's great. That sounds good in the Bible. We don't have anybody like that, do we? Everybody in the crowd's like that to a certain extent. We we pick and choose what we will and will not follow. We do, don't we? And, and we, we got there and I started to think on the way from where he was and I said, you know what? Every time he tells me to do something and I don't do it, it ends up the way that I don't want it to end up. Maybe because he's got a few years on me. Maybe I should just for once try his way. And I tried it 
his way. And don't you know here, oh, almost a decade later, I'm enjoying the benefit of a decision of wisdom because I humbled myself, got my arrogance and ego and pride out of the way and began to say, there might be somebody who has a little bit more wisdom in life than me. That's, that's the problem. Many of us will not get the wisdom of God because the first step to wisdom is humility, is to realize that I don't know everything. I don't have the answers to everything. I may have lived on the earth a long time, but there are yet still things that I do not know. James is saying to us this morning, if you're going to structure your family the way God suggests, you're going to want to get the best long-term result. If you handle your life and your relationships the way God suggests, which is wisdom, you will get the best long-term results. If you structure your finances the way God says, ultimately, you'll get the best long-term results. Why do I keep using that word long-term? Because a lot of times we make long-term decisions very quickly and we make them to fix the problem in the short term, not realizing that it's going to cause a bigger problem in the what? Long term. You got a flat tire and you know you need to flat take care of that flat tire. So what do you do? Do you go and buy a new tire and put on? No, what I do is I keep stopping and paying 50 cents every now and then and putting air in that tire to fix the short term problem because I want to keep my money in my pocket. But after a while, when you're out on I-94 and that tire explodes and now you got to buy a fender and a new car, you realize it wasn't good to make a short term decision with a long term oh I see brother Norty laughing because brother Norty was a trucker he knows what it's like when people take recaps and put them on tires and stuff to try to make a load somewhere on the 18 wheeler and they, they, they know it's quicker and they know it's cheaper but ultimately you've got a load on the back of you and if you don't make the right decision not only could you harm yourself you could harm somebody else how many times have we wrecked things in our life because we have been reactive rather than proactive? We try to put a Band-Aid on the situation because it was easier than to seek God for the wisdom how to fix the whole thing. Or when we saw the wisdom of God, it said it's going to take more work than we were willing to give. So we figured we'd put a Band-Aid on the problem and after a while, let somebody else deal with the problem after we kicked it down the road. But it never got fixed. Some of the things that people are dealing with in their life are generational. You know why? Because somebody had a character flaw and they took the short-term goal. And because they didn't fix it, it flew, it flew right on down to their children. And their children are dealing with their effects of that character flaw and now their grandchildren are dealing with the effects of the character flaw because it was easier to ignore it and pretend that it didn't exist than to do the hard work to change it but I've come to challenge you today that you can stop that today and it's tracks you can say it stops this time with me Amen. The, the bad attitude stops with me. The destructive choices and behavior, it stops with me. I'm going to get God's wisdom on the inside of my heart and on the inside of my mind and I'm going to begin to apply it. Those things stop with me. Poverty and lack and poverty thinking is going to stop it with me. The mentality that I have to stop by every store or restaurant I see, that's going to stop with me. The idea that I have to stop and pop off my mouth every time somebody says something 
something to me. I have to be pithy and come back with a comeback and pop my neck. That stops with me. The idea that marriages have, can be long but still miserable and we're going to fight all the time and we might as well be divorced because we probably be happier apart. That stops with me. I'm going to decide that my marriage is going to be the best one that's ever been in my family line because I'm going to apply the wisdom of God to my After all, isn't it that what it really boils down to? At the end of your life, they'll have on your tombstone two numbers, a beginning and an end, and a small dash. And that dash is the culmination of what you've done your entire life. Your entire life, every decision comes down to a dash from born to die. What's in that dash? After all, wouldn't you like to know that in that dash is somebody saying that they lived the best life that they could, <laughs> that they, they lived the life that mattered, that their existence made an ultimate impact on people around them and people are better off for having known them. People are richer off from having known them. Their relationships are better. Their, their, their life is better. The way they do things is better because they come in contact with that person that I realized the best way to do that is to follow Christ. It's to follow his wisdom and we need to receive that wisdom. Well, how do I receive that wisdom? Somebody say, I'm ready to receive. <laughs> if you're ready to receive, you have to become into the posture to receive. If you've ever watched a football game, a receiver has a certain amount of steps. He knows that I'm supposed to catch this ball and it's a certain amount he has to stutter and he runs to those places. And when he gets into position, he wants to make sure he's timing it so that when the ball gets there, he's ready to receive. So he might step and stop and let the defender keep going. And he turns around and he does this. And what he is saying is, here's your target. I'm ready to receive. But sometimes he might get fast paced and outrun the ball. Sometimes the ball gets thrown beyond him. But I've come to tell you that Jesus is a wonderful quarterback. He never misses the target. So if we don't catch the ball, it's not on him. It's simply because we haven't been ready to receive. Lord, I want to make better choices in my life. I know I may have less of my life in front of me than I have behind me. And that doesn't mean you're old. That could be for young as, as well. We don't know how long God's going to let us be here. But at the end of the day, don't you want to make your next choices your best choices? Yes. Don't you want to make your next steps your best steps? You have to posture yourself to receive the wisdom of God. You have to ask of God. He says, if any man wants wisdom, let him ask of God. You've got to put yourself in the position of a student. I know the people that want wisdom. You know I know they want wisdom because they're sitting here not just on Sunday morning, but a lot of times they're sitting here on Wednesday night and they're writing things. And I watch and they come back to the broadcast and they're liking the broadcast, which means they're looking at it again. And they're not just taking surface of what they're saying is, God, I'm trying to put myself in a position to receive what you have for me because I don't want to be the same old person all of my life. I want to make an impact in what's happening between the dashes. I want to make a difference. I need your wisdom. 
he's telling you how to take a confident stand. Amen, sight. <laughs> True wisdom acknowledges the goodness of God is not connected to the highs and the lows of my situation, but that God is good all the time. Whether I get the result I want or I don't get the result I want, God is still good. He put Adam and Eve in a garden and he looked on man and said that it was good. And then man did something that was not good, but it did not stop God from being. <laughs> we have to realize that the ways of God are right and true so that we would depend and trust on his word for our situation. I submit to you today that the word of God is just as relevant as it was, to, as it is today, as it was 3,500 years ago when Moses began to pen it and began to write it down through the first five books of the law. It is just as relevant today. Why? Because the person who wrote it had an eternal perspective. The person who put the hearts of the men to, to write into that book that they were led and divinely inspired. The person who was inspiring their hearts knew what was coming. And so he wrote instructions for us. Some people have often said the Bible is the basic instruction before leaving earth. Why is it that we just read the instructions to make sure that we can find our way to heaven, but we live hell on earth because we won't let it tell us how to live here. Have I prepared myself to receive the wisdom of God? And also, have I prepared myself to discount the wisdom of the world? Do you know the world does have wisdom? It is a different type of wisdom. And James talks about that wisdom. And we're going to see that in the book of James. But there is a wisdom that the world does have. Proverbs 14 and 12 says there is a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to death. There's plenty of things in the world where people can try to make themselves wise without God. We see that in the book of Romans chapter 1. It says professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Because they had a little knowledge and knew how to build a few statues and things that had gotten a little up on themselves. They became foolish and they stopped depending on God. Let's look at James chapter 3 verse 13 to 18 as we prepare to leave today. I'm going to read it here on the screen. James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18. And we'll read it together if they can get it pulled up. James chapter 3 uh, verses 13 through 18. I don't think they have it all there. So I'm going to, I'm going to read it there. They, they do have it there. Let's read it together. It says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Though this wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Just leave that on the screens for a second. But I, I want them to see that, that James says that there is a wisdom that comes from above, and there's a wisdom that comes from below. And if you're not using the wisdom of heaven, you're using the wisdom of hell. If you're not using, you see that? 
This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. It is the wisdom of hell. It is the wisdom that caused the third of the angels to fall from heaven. It is the wisdom that caused Adam and Eve to disobey and be expelled from the garden. It is the wisdom that, that has us blowing up people for no abject reason at all many oftentimes. It is the wisdom that tells us it's okay to kill a child because it's your choice to murder. That wisdom doesn't come from heaven. That wisdom comes from It is the wisdom to say that we can reject God and live the only way we want to live. That wisdom doesn't come from heaven. It comes from hell. James says it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. It is not, it's the wisdom that keeps us at each other's throats because somebody believes a little bit about how government runs differently than you. That's not the wisdom from heaven. That is a wisdom from. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. Let's see what it says. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion of every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good free fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There's a lot of people when they go home and close doors in their marriages, their ultimate goal is to prove to their spouse that you're stupid, I'm smarter than you. That's not the wisdom that comes from heaven. That's the wisdom that comes from hell. Because we see in the scripture, it says, verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. Could it be? that we are inviting the wisdom of hell into our homes because we're self-seeking. But I love the wisdom James says God has for us. He says that wisdom from above, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle. It's willing to yield. We talked about that last night. It amazed me after we cut the cameras off, we stayed here another 20 minutes with people talking and it was a very healing time as we talked about dealing with difficult people and broken relationships and how to restore relationships and how to handle conflict in a positive way. But you see that it says gentle and willing to yield. When's the last time you yielded to your spouse instead of having to be right and say, you know what? I care more about the relationship than I do winning the argument. That's the wisdom that comes from heaven. Full of mercy. Rather than attacking people. 
Mercy means that somebody deserves something and they don't get it. They might be worthy of your disdain. They might be worthy of you not to respect them. They might be worthy of your anger. But mercy says that even though you do deserve it, I choose not to give it. Why? Because give and you shall receive good measure, pressed down and shaken together. And I realize, like I've told people for years, the mercy you give one day may be the mercy that you need. We give what we want to receive. Mercy of good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. What is partiality? Thinking that one group is better than another. That one ethnic group is better than another. That one social group is a d different from another. One social group, one economic group is better than the other. One political group is one better than the other. Partiality, taking favors because of people that are like me. That's not the wisdom of God. But don't we see it every time we turn on the TV? You know why? Because wisdom is in high supply, but the wisdom of God is in short demand. My encouragement to you today is that God wants you to receive the benefits of his mercy, the benefits of, of those good fruits, full of mercy and good fruits. He wants you to wise up. <laughs> You can either use God's wisdom and go up or you can use Satan's wisdom and go down. The choice is yours. I remember in, in, in the, the Old Testament, as they began for the people to receive the covenant of God, they told them, I set now before you life and death, blessings and cursings. And just in case they didn't study for the test, he gives them an answer. He says, choose life. Don't choose the wisdom of hell. Choose the wisdom of heaven. Choose God's wisdom and reap God's benefits for your life. Yes. That's not a promise that everything in your life will go without a hitch. That's not always a promise that everything will go as planned, but that means ultimately your life will reach the most optimal result it can because God is working in and through you in an imperfect world that we always remember that Satan offers a cheap imitation of whatever God creates. If God offers wisdom, so does Satan. And I must be able to determine the difference between the two. I want you to go back later today and look at James chapter three and start reading those things and examining yourselves and saying, am I using the wisdom of heaven? God wants you to use the wisdom of heaven today. He wants you to change your life for the better. Yes, amen. James says that in true faith, people who have true faith, they want to use the wisdom of heaven. And guess what? It's not like gas. It's in good supply. And it's free. You don't have to worry about inflation. 
You don't have to worry about any socioeconomic indicators. You don't have to worry what the jobs report is. You don't have to worry what unemployment is. You don't have to worry about what inflation is or, or hyperinflation of any of that. All you have to know is that it's in abundant supply. And God, I need it. I'm asking from you. I'm opening your word. So as I open my word, you'll show me how to live. Show me how to handle my relationship. Show me how to handle my money. Show me how to handle my health. Show me how to handle my personal life. Lord, my health isn't as good as it needs to be. I haven't been using the wisdom of heaven. I've been self-seeking. How have you been self-seeking? I've been eating everything that I want to eat to please myself, all the while hurting myself. But I want to use today the wisdom of heaven. Yes. Lord, our relationship could be better in my marriage or, or my friendships. Today, I want to make a change and use the wisdom of heaven. Does anybody want the wisdom of heaven today? It's available to you. All you have to do is receive and ask of God. Let's pray, God, we thank you. We thank you that you've given us the wisdom of heaven. And we reject the wisdom that comes from down below. Lord God, help us to receive your wisdom and to walk in your wisdom. Lord God, that we will receive the benefits that you have for our life, not in a self-seeking way, not in a way that we just try to get ahead, but Lord, that it helps us to be a blessing to somebody else that ultimately we can do good for the kingdom of God. Yes. Lord God, that you will be glorified in our living, that you'll be glorified in our life, and that the changes that ensue in our life will ultimately give you glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray those who hear my voice, if they're not saved today, that they will reach out for your saving hand. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise for the day.